0: We are in this series, and if you're, if you're new to it with us this morning, it, we're, it's great, and we love having you, and you can come in in the middle of any series, and it's not a big deal at all, we, we're, we're, we're formatted for that. But um, I'm doing a series called Core Values. These core values come from the program that you have, and they're, they're called Core Values for Renaissance Church. Of course, the key phrase there is um, church. Church means people, and that means that these are core values for individuals, as well as churches. Uh, according to the Bible, so the one we 're on the third one there 's seven we 're on the third one, and the third one talks about a relational framework. Let me read it to you it 's in the program as well, but you can read it right along uh, with me. We believe that the experience of true community is life changing, thus, we are committed to living in caring relationships. Here are, here are three key words: in caring relationships of openness, trust, and accountability to one another. those are big, those are big words, they really are big, big words. Um, about a month ago, to be exact, the, the 3rd of May, I was at the end of what that series was called, Getting Fit. And we talked about getting fit in your relationship with God, getting fit, and the last thing was getting fit in your relationship with others. And I talked then about the importance of a community of faith. My outline was, if you were here, um, it provides positivity in a world of negativity. That was before the grammar police got a hold of it. But um, you get the point. And, and the second point was it provides preventative heart care. The third point was it provides sources of encouragement, which is really almost redundant to the first one. So for today, I'm going to do something different with that. And it provides help with your sinful struggles. Here's what I did then. I talked about each one of those, just sort of, from the, from the, just sort of an overview. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to go back. I'm going to take three of those. I, I combined two of them and, 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 and just kind of unpack them a little more for you to get you to really think through these things. I'm using some different verses or, or, or more complete passages from where I, I did a month ago and some other things, some other material that, I, that I've uh, found with it to really get you... This is important, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm concerned that that it's not being communicated in, in church, period, let alone this one. Um, so, so that's why I want to do that. And here's the thing. When we talk about community... You know, I'm not talking about creating a subculture. I'm not talking about, you know, an insider's club. Or I'm not talking about some sort of a insulation from the world. When we talk about community, I'm talking about a few people in your life with whom there will be a reciprocal relationship of sharing, of listening, of encouraging to a deeper, more effective, fulfilling faith in Christ. And that could look a lot of different ways. For some, be careful. You've got to be creative with this. When I talk about, you know, creating that kind of a, having that kind of community, some of you would, would, might think, well, you know, and you picture, it depends on your background. From, some of you will think, well, that means we kind of sit around in a circle somewhere and we all have Bibles on our laps and we're talking about, you know, Jesus and, and sorry, the South coming out again, Jesus, Jesus, uh, and, and, and it might be that, and that's fine, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it might be something else. You know, it might be, it might take place on a golf course, it might take place at a dinner. Uh, a month ago, I gave the illustration of what I called a, a dinner club of some people that I know here, some, some, some ladies that get together about once a month, and they, get, they all do some kind of a fancy dish or something, and, and they get together, and they just, just want, about once a month and just chat in one of their homes and so forth, I called it a dinner club. Well, in the 9 o'clock service, the husband of one of those women was here. I don't mean to be ostentatious by holding my iPhone out here, but I want to read to you an email. Uh, that he sent me after that service no actually i just noticed the email was dated it was 9 42 a.m that means he had to do it during the service didn't it <laughs> what a dog so a know during send me a, the note during the service gosh anyway um so anyway he, he sent me this note when when and this is this is the husband of one of these ladies when did the hen fest become a supper club? So anyway. Um, sorry, sorry. He did. That's, that's an honest to goodness uh, email there. Um, be creative about this as I'm talking about it. You know, it might be it might be a bunch of guys sitting around together after a round of golf or, or tennis or whatever you do or after work and, and sitting maybe in a bar of all places and talking about the things of, that that make you... A better husband or dad or, or how, how to be a better follower of Christ you know I mean it might be in that you know and I know that sounds revolutionary to some of you but let me tell you as much ministry takes place in Winberry's Bar as does up here many times and I'm dead serious about that okay um, so um, be creative as you as we think through this um, I got a couple of friends who, who do a cigar walk together every so often it's kind of fun you know cigars and jesus how does that all work together well you know i don't know anyway i don't think he minds here we go i want to go through some of these things but this isn't this is an important issue this is an important issue okay um john adams my favorite founding father almost fourth of july rich gets obnoxious on the fourth of july because I'm, I'm very patriotic you know? And I always, wherever I am, and then I go to barbecues, un- invited, uninvited or invited. And I go, hey, who's your favorite founding father? And then I always ask why. And mine's John Adams. And, uh, and my, my good friend's favorite is uh, um, Hamilton. And, and, and then he, he gives the reasons why. It's kind of fun. It's a fun thing to do. I, I, I happen to believe this is off the point, but I happen to believe we probably wouldn't be here. Were it not for the um, the obnoxiousness of John Adams, who insisted upon a Declaration of Independence and insisted upon anyway, John Adams, my favorite founding father, he said this. I know not everybody here agrees. Um, A desire to be observed, considered, esteemed, praised, beloved, and admired—wow! By his fellows—is one of the earliest as well as the keenest dispositions discovered in the heart of man. Isn't that good? That's a lot. A desire to be observed, considered, esteemed, praised, beloved, and admired. Everybody needs that. Everybody needs some people in their life like that, that will do that. I think it's interesting. Furthermore, John Adams, one of his favorite um, philosophers was, uh, was Cicero. And, uh, and his, one of his biographies talks about how he used to read Cicero every day in Latin. Different education system, I suppose, back then. But he would read it every day in Latin, Cicero. Cicero said this many 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 years before John Adams we were born to unite with our fellow men and to join in community with the human race this is a timeless truth this isn't something new to you know living in the in the 2000 whatever this is a timeless truth it's taught throughout the bible this whole thing of a faith community so what is the importance of that I'm gonna, I, I showed you those four things, I've, I've combined them into three things, and we're going to just talk about those. The first one was, again, it provides positive influence in a world of negative influence. Or in my words, it provides positivity in a world of negativity. And this is, this is huge. Let me just take you to Romans chapter 14. This is what the Bible teaches. The church, in my experience, has capital C, the church, has missed this. Don't ask me how they missed this. This isn't deep theology. It's very simple. You're going to see it. And I'm going to show it to you right here in the Bible. Um, but, but I think a lot, a lot, we've missed it a lot. We, we're striving for it here. We're not perfect. But, uh, it, and you need it in your life, wherever you go to church. Verse 10 of uh, Romans chapter 14. Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat. We're all going to stand for our, our own lives, not everybody else's. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us, here he says it a second time, each of us will give a personal account to God. I think he's emphasizing individual responsibility. And by that I mean, look, you're not going to answer for him, you're not going to answer for her, you're going to answer for you. So so let's keep, the, let's keep the focus, not to be selfish, but I, I, I don't I don't need to be worried about their situation. I need to make sure my situation is in order. That's the point here. Last verse there is a very important verse, verse 13. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. What does that mean? Uh, Inevitably, somebody will say, well, well, that means we shouldn't have a drink around a person who has a problem with alcohol because they may drink and they may fall off the wagon. Well, certainly it it could mean that. But it goes much, 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 much beyond that. You've been around somebody, every time you leave them, you're just like, oh, you know, find me a cliff, let me jump now. You know, I mean, it's just always bringing you down. That, that's one of the things he's talking about. He says, don't be one of those. And that causes people to stumble and, and fall and, 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 and all the things that go along. Don't be that, you know. And the other thing that he's saying in these verses, which is just so important, there is no room for condemnation or judgment. There's no room for that, not in this thing called a community of faith. And the people that I'm going to be close to and the people that I want close to me aren't going to be people who are going to judge me and condemn me. What do they do? they Are they going to give you a free pass when you do something wrong? Hang on to that thought. We'll come back to that. Um, There is no reason to ever judge or condemn to look down on others, there needs to be an emphasis upon building up, not tearing down and, and, not, and not causing derision and not causing, uh, causing uh, stumbling or bringing people down because of your, I'll say the word again, negativity. Okay? So does that mean what I said earlier? So what about that? What about that, those wicked, sinful wrongdoers? What do we do about them? First of all, let me enlighten you on something. Every Sunday in every service, there are wicked, sinful wrongdoers right here at Renaissance Church, every Sunday and every service. Even those services where we only have fifty people sometimes. They're still there. Okay? I happen to know that because I'm here. Okay, and, and, and we're all in the same boat, you know. We are. So does that mean though that if we see someone, it's in our little circle of influence that, that we can that, that's doing something that's really wrong, and it's clearly wrong according to the Bible. We're not talking about parsing a verb. We're not talking about somebody jaywalking here. It's clearly wrong. We're not talking about somebody texting when they're driving. We're talking about something... Just kidding. There's a guy here. I think he's here right now. Uh, and I was I was, drive, I was driving down the frontage road the other day, coming here, and it was one of those rare moments when somebody had texted me and I was texting them back as I was driving very carefully. All right. Come on, how many of you never done that, huh? Come on. I want to see hands. Who's never done that? God bless you. God bless you. Anyway, so he pulls up beside me, and he comes to church here, and he rolls down his window, and he starts screaming at me. <laughs> he is kidding he's kidding. And I told him, he says, I caught you. I caught you. I busted you. Anyway, I'm not necessarily talking. That's not a safe thing. You shouldn't do that. Don't do that. I'm going to stop one of these days. Um, but, but, but I'm not talking about that. What do you do, though, when you have someone that's doing something clearly, really, life, you know, they're in a relationship that's clearly outside the guidelines of Scripture. What do you do about that? And, and, and it's wrong. It's clearly wrong. We're not debatable here. Not debatable. What do we do with that? Listen, here's the issue on this, and, 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 and we need to make sure you understand this. When given the opportunity, there is a proper way to exhort, to warn, and to lovingly intervene. When given the opportunity, but it needs to be the proper relationship and it needs to be the proper timing. Don't miss that. We don't give people a free pass, but we're not out to judge and condemn. That's not what we're here for. That's not what we're part of, this, that's not what we're part of, of, of the faith community for. But there's a, place, a time and a place for it. But it involves proper relationship, proper timing and always always lovingly and uh, that that often gets lost so here's the thing. Here's what I want to say. I want to say something to two groups of people, um, and there are more than two groups of people here. But the, the first thing is, I want to talk to those who, of you who are, who are unchurched. Basically, by that I mean, you know, maybe before Renaissance, and, or maybe even still, you'll come every so often, maybe Christmas, maybe Easter, and, but you know, you're not really. You don't re- church really isn't a party. I want I want to just say this this to you. Okay, first of all, we're glad you're here and honored to have you whenever you can come. But this is what church is supposed to be about. Don't settle for less. This is what it's supposed to be, a positive thing. We can bring friends, and and they can hear and and, and know about who Christ is and, and, and be able to connect with others in a positive way. That's what it's supposed to be, right? Now, to the people who've been along your journey of faith for a long time, or maybe even just a little bit of a time, I want to ask you this. Are you the source of this kind of positiveness? Are you a source for that? Are you are you ever giving or are you always receiving? Because that's a problem. If you're not if you're not giving, not a source for that. We're not talking personality. We're not talking this or that. We're talking something far far different, okay? It's 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 ingrained in us, I believe, as we seek to be as, as we seek that quality, it's ingrained in us by the Holy Spirit, by God. So that's the first thing that I want you to see. It's got to be intentional to make that happen. It's this whole thing. The, one of the things that's most important about the community of faith is this: it provides this positive influence in a world of negative influence. And I want to tell you something. In a world that, that, that relishes falls and defeats and failure and anything gossipy, in a world like that, God has called us who are His people, to a higher standard. And God knows we need it. We need it. And you know we need it. It's important to have. Community of faith begins as we start understanding that that it gives me some positive influence in a world of negative influence. Second thing I want you to see, and I said this a month ago, it provides preventative heart care. Now, what does that mean? Provides preventative heart care. Here's what I I meant by this then and what I mean by this now is that we must be careful. Please get this. We must be careful about the condition of our heart. I'm going to talk about the behavior in a moment. It needs to be talked about. But we've got to be careful about the condition of our heart. Proverbs. Proverbs is really great. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. That's pretty good stuff. Um, I want to take you to Hebrews. I'm going to take you to Hebrews twice today. Because heart, preventative heart care keeps things from setting in that can cause behavior that is going to be destructive. Let me show you this. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any of you and any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What's the deceitfulness of sin? The deceitfulness of sin is we can deceive ourselves, folks. I mean, I I said this a month ago. I'll say it again. It needs to be said more. And that is this. You can rationalize anything. And, and and in my in my time as a minister, I've heard. I mean, I'm not I'm not joking. I have heard everything rationalized from adultery, a number of times. Oh, it's okay in this situation, Rich. You know, you don't understand what. It's not okay. No, it's not, well, but yeah, but you, I don't I, I don't need any buts. You know, it's, it's clear here. Okay, to 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 to, to substance abuse, r- rationalized. I mean, I've heard it all. And, 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 and you know what? Sometimes I've even, not in those two particular instances, but there are times when we've all set, sought to justify our, our own actions in certain ways, and we get, we get drawn into this thing. Maybe it's a way of thinking. Maybe it's a way of talking. Maybe it's uh, listening or, or seeing things or watching things that I shouldn't watch or see. But he, the issue is this. Before we get to the behavior, we've got to get back to the heart thing. That's why he says... You know, encourage one another so, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Listen, sometimes we need help to recognize that. God will give us that help, but He often, and I'm going to say this about three times tonight today, He often does it through others, the community. And you know that. Let me show you another one, Acts chapter 8. Here the Apostle Paul is talking to a guy that's in pretty bad shape spiritually. He says this in Acts 8, verse 22, Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps He will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy, I like the way he says this, and are held captive by sin. And listen, there are people who are held captive in any... Held captive by sins in any number of ways, and it begins with the heart. And it may be because of a divorce in their life. It may be because of a broken relationship. It may be because their parents. Um, and I, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, maybe their parents were fine in, in many ways, but maybe their parents said some things or did some things or raised them in such ways that maybe weren't as healthy. Maybe they weren't fine. But that, that had that kind of an impact, and, and and because they've never dealt with the heart issues, that's 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 holding them captive, and uh, and it's an important issue whether it be you know being used by people or unfulfilled careers or unfulfilled, unfulfilled marriages or 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 maybe even professions that just went poof, which we're dealing with now almost every week with friends. I mean, and it and it has effect on. It. And if they don't deal with that heart issue, it's going to have an effect on them later in their behavior. So when we talk about it, we need people around us. It doesn't have to be very many, and it won't be very many. People who I can trust, people who, who, who are safe, people who will speak truth around me to help me see some of those things. Those, those We need help to recognize our blind spots. We need help for that. You know, we need help to, to recognize some of those issues that are just just... Take over our lives sometimes the old proverbial you know elephant in the room type of thing. Let me show you a couple of real quick quotes. Uh, French philosopher. I'm going to give you the English pronunciation because I'll never do the French thing. It's Paul Valery, French philosopher. He said this. This is a lot. This is a lot of words, but I want you to just just go through this. We're going to do this very slowly. Um, it's a couple of lines, but it's really really powerful. Latent in every man is a venom of amazing bitterness a black resentment, something that curses and loathes life, a feeling of being trapped, of having trusted and been fooled, of being the helpless prey of impotent rage, blind surrender, the victim of a savage, ruthless power that gives and takes away, enlists the man, crowning crowning injury inflicts upon him the humiliation of feeling sorry for himself." It gets to the just to the point inside us. We get to that point where we just feel sorry for ourselves. It's pretty good stuff. The church, the community of faith, friends that I can that I have around me, are there to you know. It's it's huge. They're there to help me work through that and just recognize it. In some cases, you know, the majority of psychology is dealing with people who have bitterness in 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 short order or, or long order. So many times, it may have come from this. Divorce, or this parent, or this, that, or this, that, or whatever that list might be. But that's why we need help in developing uh, and keeping away from justifying our way when it's wrong. That's why we need help in recognizing some of those blind spots. Uh, Minister of the 30s, 40s, New York City, Harry Fosdick, Harry Emerson Fosdick, a little left of center theologically, but he had some good, good thoughts. Um, And and this is one of them. Bitterness. Bitterness imprisons life. Love releases it. Bitterness paralyzes life. Love empowers it. Bitterness sours life. Love sweetens it. Bitterness sickens life. Love heals it. Bitterness blinds life. Love anoints its eyes. I like that thought. Just to stop and and think through. Listen, here's what I know. Here's what I know about preventative heart care. Only God can help you deal with it. Only God, only God the Holy Spirit working in your life can help you deal with it. And so many times he uses people, which is why I need people in my life. People who I can trust, people who I can be accountable with, people who I can listen to. That's the second value of this thing called a community of faith. It, it gives me a positive influence in a world of negative influence. It provides preventative heart care. But now we go a step further. and it, it's, it provides help with your sinful struggles. Here's the thing. This is what happens when the heart is not protected, not taken care of. Struggles with behavior that hurts yourself and everybody else. So I, I, I talk about the heart a lot. Let's just talk about the behavior for a moment okay Hebrews again chapter 12 the author here is addressing people uh, who are seeking to live a life of of faithfulness and and, and integrity before Christ look what he says in chapter 12 verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses uh, to the life of faith people who have gone on before us people who live before us people that we can read about great saints who've lived such lives and we can learn from both in the Bible and other places he says, "...since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us." Especially the sin... See that that, that right there in verse 1? Verse "...especially the sin that so easily trips us up." Now, in the case of this context, of this verse most likely he was talking to these hebrew believers about the sin of doubt because they were having some real doubts about some things and most scholars believe that but by application you know what you can fill in the blank uh, for whatever this is very what 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 sin or sins more likely trip you up maybe it's maybe it is the thought life maybe it is temper and anger Maybe it is a lack of self-control. Maybe it is lust or or, or something that goes along with that. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's, you know, integrity. The point is, he says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this, watch this. This just gets so good. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding a shame. Now He is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility He endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Two things here real quick. One is... He's basically saying, listen, when you're thinking about your situation, and, and, and I'm not taken away from the fact that some of you are dealing with some very difficult things. He says, when you're thinking about that, think about Jesus. He was tortured. He went to the cross, he died. And he did that for me. He did that for you. And, and, and he says, think about that. You haven't struggled to that point yet. The other thing he's saying here is this: you know, you you, you can we don't really, we might struggle with sin. You know, in the garden, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever read the, the account, in the garden of Gethsemane before, the cro- before Jesus went to the cross, um, he was literally, the, the Bible tells us, sweating drops of blood because he was so tempted to not go through with what he was to, to, to go to the cross. He was, he, was just, he didn't want to do it. He said, help, me help this cup to pass, dear God. He was sweating drops of blood. He was so tempted to not do what he knew he had to do. Well, the issue in that is you and I, we don't do that. We give in long before that. You know, we don't sweat drops of blood, we just give in. So so learn to struggle a little more, I guess, would be the encouragement there. And let me tell you something. Only Christ can help you do that. But he uses so many times others to help us work through that. That's the issue here. And it's just such a such a great passage. The community of faith provides help in our own sinful struggles of sin. Now, it has to be in those three words that I used earlier, uh, living in caring relationships of openness, trust, and accountability. has got to be that way. And there's not going to be a lot of folks like that, but you need some. And if you don't have them, you need to think about how I'm going to make that happen. And there's many ways that you can think through that. All right, I want to I close. I want I I to I close with one last quote. It's not from the Bible, but it illustrates a wonderful biblical point. And um, it's... Um, Gosh, this is just such a great quote, Julian of Norwich, thirteen hundreds. I've used some of her material before, never, never this one. And uh, she just to give you a quick uh, overview of who she was: uh, a, a, a nun, committed herself to contemplative prayer, kind of the equivalent, female equivalent of a of a monk. And um, she um, actually, you know, what's really interesting about Julian of Norwich, she was the in, in, his. If you look her up, you'll find out she was the first woman ever, ever, to have published a book in the history of the world, late 1300s. Now, I don't know what you know about history, but take a look at what women were thought of in the late 1300s. It wasn't real strong. Uh, the, the women's rights movement hadn't quite started yet. And, um, um, but she was the first woman to ever do that. And she's just an amazing woman. And get this, today she is uh, venerated by the Catholic Church, uh, the Episcopal Church and the Lutheran Church. That's called Crossing the Isle, okay? I mean, that's really amazing, isn't it? And uh, just great stuff. So um, that's who she was. And, and when you, I just want you to hear that because watch this. This is just, this just moves me, right? Moved, I mean, granted, I love the written word, but this moves me. Sin is the sharpest scourge that any soul can be flogged with. It is a scourge which so reduces a man or woman and makes him loathsome in his own sight, that it is not long before he thinks himself fit only to sink down to hell until the touch of the Holy Spirit forces him to contrition and turns his bitterness to the hope of God's mercy. That's me and you. That's me and you. Sometimes we don't always fully realize it, but it is the touch of the Holy Spirit forcing us to contrition turning that bitterness to the hope of God's mercy. mercy. Listen, Jesus came to forgive our sins. Jesus came to give us an ability to live above sins. He gave us He gave us, he gave us comfort. So that we can share our struggles with another and, and find comfort and he and gives us community so that we can share our struggles with another and, and, and find comfort and find encouragement and find strength. And, and and a relationship with God through Jesus gives us an ability to not only have that forgiveness and not only to have that 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 ability to overcome some of those sinful behavior patterns. But He so many times uses people to help us in that process. That's why we need the community of faith. That's why He gave it to us. And that's why we need to be about that. Let me pray with you. God, we are, um, we are amazed and we are humbled and we are thankful for the truth that we can always find in the Bible. And I pray, I pray God, that we would take the truth and, and let it sink deep into our heart and soul and mind, and help us, help us, God, to be aware that there's a need. And, and to follow up with that need in any way that we can creatively figure out of, of people around that can, that can help us. Have a better relationship with one another, but most importantly, to have a deeper relationship with our Lord and our God through Jesus. And we thank you for that, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.